MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello. And welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, March 10th, 2021. Today, the Manhattan District Attorney investigation into the Trump Organization broadens again. Republicans continue to attack access to the ballot. Rep. Dan Crenshaw fails to disclose stock purchases. An internal FBI memo shows white supremacists seek affiliations with law enforcement to further their goals. There is new video of the pipe bomb suspect. A judge bench slaps the MAGA shaman and his lawyer for a media publicity stunt. The RNC snubs Trump's ridiculous cease and desist letter. Judge Meta draws the Eric Swalwell lawsuit against Trump. Marjorie Taylor Greene planned to voice object to 13 bills in the House in a futile effort to delay the COVID relief bill. There's a deep dive I'll do into provisions of the American Rescue Plan. Biden's White House puts Bush and Clinton portraits back on display after Trump hid them in storage. Piers Morgan stormed off Good Morning Britain and is leaving the show. And the Biden Department of Justice refuses to push Trump's public charge rule in court that was limiting legal immigration. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how are you today? I'm actually doing well. Like, I I have no complaints. Things are good today. I'm excited uh, to be recording with you. We'll have some good news. And it just feels like a good day. I I talked to my mom. um, Whenever we talk, we always have like 45-minute conversations. So we had one of those again today. And she's thinking about coming out in May. And it just brings me joy that she's healthy and vaccinated and can live her life a little more free lately. That's so... Where's she coming from? Just Albuquerque. Oh, nice. Yeah, my mom's out in Scottsdale. I might be visiting her come May, so I haven't seen her in so long. I know, it's crazy. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. And I'm really mad at Marjorie Taylor Greene because she's putting a... She's throwing a wrench into that, and I'll tell you about it later. Uh, It's a massive news day again, um, so it's going to be all news wall-to-wall in this particular episode. And I want to let you know that it is time again, if you want to sponsor a patron, you can do that. It's just 36 bucks to sponsor a patron who can't afford to swing it for a whole year, and then they'll get ad-free episodes and access to the Friday happy hour and all sorts of other cool, neat bonus content on Patreon. So you can sponsor a patron for just 36 bucks by going to dailybeanspod.com and scrolling down on the bottom of the main page there. You'll see a, a big a graphic for, for how to do that. And then, of course, you can join Dana and me tomorrow, Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern on the Stereo app. Those are so much fun. We've been having so much fun on that lately. We, we've been doing misheard song lyrics there, too. If you have any, uh, whatever you want to ask us, you can do that on the Stereo app. Again, that's uh, Dana and I... Dana and me every Thursday, every Thursday at five Pacific, eight Eastern. I'm still working on it. You had it right the first time with it seemed effortlessly, effort, effortlessly, effort. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) That was not. (laughs) Well, it's a super fun time, whether it's effortlessly or not. Um, We always we always enjoy it. It seems effortless. And it's free. (laughs) Just go to Stereo.com slash Allison Gill. And then you can follow me, Allison Gill. You can follow Dana at DG Comedy. And that in fact, that's your 
all of your social media as DG Comedy. You were able to secure that at a, at a young age. Yes, a very young age, I did. <laughs> and I secured them all, even before Twitter was a, a thought in their eye. I have DG Comedy. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get AllisonGill.com. And then there was an Allison Gill on Twitter who was not using it. So I just sent her a nice message. And she's like, yeah, you can have it. So I was able to get it there, too. So The reason I use DG Comedy and one of the callers actually during our stereo app asked me about it is I constantly get confused with Dana Goldberg, the producer, um, who's done like, you know, Grace and Frankie and the Terminator movies and all of those. It's funny because people will be like, oh, my God, I just saw you in the, um, you know, the credits for Grace and Frankie. And I'm so happy for you. And I'm like, dude, I wouldn't be working the Chuckle Hut if I was producing <laughs> Grace and Frankie. <laughs> Ticklish Rhino. Yeah. And, yeah. So. Bacoima. That's why I took DG Comedy. Dana Goldberg, the producer, is also a lovely, lovely person. Yes, absolutely. Phenomenal producer. Yeah. Not you. No. no not One you. day. One day. Uh, anyway, we do have quite a bit of news to get to. Later on, I've got a really great deep dive into all the hidden provisions in the... Um, in the American Rescue Plan, and I've got a, a, a Schadenfreude hat trick that's really Woo-hoo. great. So you want to stick around for that? But let's uh, for right now, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, lead story: Manhattan District Attorney's Office subpoenaed documents from an investment company that loaned the Trump Organization millions, tens of millions of dollars for its Chicago skyscraper, in a sign that the investigation into the former guy's finances continues to expand. That's according to people familiar with the investigation. Prosecutors issued the grand jury subpoena to Fortress Investment Management late last year. Um, that's according to these folks uh, who spoke on the condition of anonymity. And this is as part of their wide-ranging investigation into the former guy and his company. Investigators' interest in how Trump and his company treated the Chicago loan is an expansion of an inquiry that encompasses multiple aspects of the Trump business. Prosecutors are examining whether the company misled lenders or insurance brokers about valuations for properties. They're also you know, investigating fees paid to consultants like Ivanka. And, of course, what I've been talking about forever, the conservation easement taken on a New York family estate called Seven Springs. The interest in Fortress relates to a $130 million loan the company made to the Trump Organization for the construction of Trump Tower Chicago. By 2012, Fortress subsequently forgave more than $100 million of the loan, which, including interest and fees, was worth about $150 million. Bucks. To, uh, this forgiveness, by the way, was done to secure a partial repayment of about $45 million at a time when the real estate market was suffering from the financial crisis. Prosecutors at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office are looking into whether Trump and the Trump Organization recorded the loan forgiveness as income, as you're supposed to, as required by law, and they would have had to pay appropriate taxes on that income. Now, this is the big paragraph, because how long have I been saying this? Quote, in addition to tax returns, investigators obtain financial statements and work papers that may shed light on the decision-making process behind the treatment of the canceled debt. It could also reveal any internal debate and discussion that could help prosecutors determine the intent behind any conclusions they reached. It sounds like somebody at CNN's been listening to the Daily Beans, maybe? Maybe. Finally, they're catching up with me with regards to the Mazar's subpoena. It's not about the tax returns, right? It's about whether Trump's accountants told him it was illegal and advised him against taking the deductions in writing to limit their liability, right? That's the smoking gun that it proves intent. It proves that Trump knew what he was doing was illegal. So put some beans on it. It's finally that's getting picked up by the mainstream media. Buried lead in this story. Yeah, looking forward to hearing more on this case. Um, I hate that tower. Yeah. Actually, whenever I perform in Chicago, it's often with the Human Rights Campaign for their gala, and I stay by um, in a hotel by the Bean where the park is. I know that's not what Chicago calls it, but um, <laughs> speaking of beans... 
And um, every time I have several pictures of me flipping that Trump um, property, the bird. Um, for my car as I as I leave that area. Um, I'm sure people in Chicago would be happy to have that taken down at some point. Okay, this next uh, news story, this is about Jacob Chansley. Now, he's that Arizona man known as the QAnon shaman. Uh, so we know that he was charged in the January 6th insurrection. Uh, he actually lost his latest effort to get out of jail with the judge slamming his arguments as meritless, unpersuasive, and frivolous. Much like his outfit. Yes, much like his outfit with a, a whole lot of, like, you know, Party City costume that he wore to not Party City. Listen, I know he didn't get it there. I can't imagine they're listening, but if you are, you- I just want to keep us out of <laughs> law trouble. Do you remember Nana Cherry? We always hang in a buffalo stance. Yes. We do the dive every time we dance, so don't you get, get fresh, fresh with, with me. me. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yep. That's what I think of. Uh, oh, I researched this guy once Once all that happened. I'm like, who is this douchebag in all this garb? And apparently he's, he's an actor. He's got like, you know, his like head shot and stuff. Anyway. Anyway, okay. So Chansley, who was photographed, as we know, shirtless, wearing a horned headdress and face paint on the Senate uh, dais during the riot, has spent three weeks. He's the I need organic food child, uh, has spent three weeks since his January arrest, waging a more public facing defense campaign than the rest of his nearly 300 others who have been arrested so far. And I'm telling you, it's because he's this actor that needs the spotlight. Anyway, that effort culminated in an interview Chansley taped from jail that aired on 60 Minutes last week, which ended up only hurting his case for the release. Listen, stop giving these fuckers airtime. I know that's a big oops, but there's no reason he should be taping a 60-minute interview. This is all Mm -hmm. he wants. No, or that dumb interview with uh, Tario, Enrique Tario on CNN. I was like, why are you giving a white supremacist airtime. That's all they want. <sighs> That's infuriating. I mean, Fox News, I understand giving white supremacists airtime because they used to interview the former guy. Okay. In a 32-page opinion on Monday, denying Chansley's request for pre-trial release, the U.S. Judge Royce Lamberth uh, called the interview, quote, a media publicity stunt. Duh. The judge wrote that Chansley's comments showed he didn't really understand the gravity of the crimes he was charged with and contradicted information he was presenting in court. So, if released, he would have gone to stay with his his mother and Lamberth, I'm sorry, no offense to people that live with their mothers, but if you're going to be a, a criminal, eh, maybe move out. Lamberth concluded that she wouldn't be a reliable custodian, you think, since she too spoke with 60 Minutes and told the interviewer that she didn't think her son had done anything wrong. Here's some of what the judge had to say about that, and I quote, The court cannot overstate the gravity of the defendant's conduct on January 6th. Were defendant released pending trial, he would have the opportunity to again attempt to disrupt the United States government or harm members of Congress. His flagrant disrespect for law enforcement indicates that he would not adhere to conditions imposed by this court. He goes on to say, the issue then is not that defense counsel cannot confidentially communicate with his client. The issue is that when defense counsel is able to speak with his client, he squanders the opportunity for private conversations, preferring instead to conduct a public interview. Given defense counsel's decision to use that could could have been a confidential video conference on a media publicity stunt that argument is so frivolous as to insult the court's intelligence like i don't know if these guys think these judges are stupid i mean i understand there's some stupid judges out there however they keep getting bitch slapped every single time they go up against these judges they do not understand the gravity of what they have done just huge white privilege humongous white privilege. 100 percent 
Yeah. I need to get, I'm going on a, 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 a retreat, a, a team building retreat in Mexico. Can I please go on that? That was planned before I decided to try and overthrow the government. It's for my flower shop. It's very important. <laughs> mm. <sighs> well, get this. This, this. this story is full of things that piss me off. To quote George Carlin, <laughs> yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene is using process maneuvers in the House to kneecap the House of Representatives from conducting business. Generally, Congress speeds up the passage of totally bipartisan bills by using a voice vote. But any one member can object and force a roll call vote, which can make a one minute consideration take up to an hour because of COVID considerations, because, how you know, of how many people that can be in the chamber at one time. Yesterday, 13 easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy bipartisan bills were set to be passed by voice vote, but Democrats learned ahead of the consideration that Marjorie Taylor Greene was planning to object to all of them in an attempt to delay the vote for COVID relief, which was set to take place Tuesday but has now been scheduled to Wednesday morning. The bills she waylaid include a bill protecting abused children, Bills to award congressional gold medals to Capitol Police for their bravery during the insurrection, including those no longer with us, and a bill to improve vaccine delivery to veterans through the VA. Marjorie Taylor Greene and the Freedom Caucus continue to govern in bad faith while simultaneously whining about a lack of unity and cancel culture. As a veteran, I'd just like to say fuck you, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for me and my family. I second that. Fuck you, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of listeners, I hope right now you're in your car at home saying fuck you to yeah, Marjorie just Taylor yell it out. Just yell, yell it, it out. out. <sighs> okay. I, I hope what she's doing is she's creating a problem for herself that she's going to get challenged, whether it's by another Republican or a Democrat. She is going to get primaried, and she is really pissing off her own party because she's also delaying them. Like, they have shit to do as well. Yeah, those are a lot of Republican bills. They're bipartisan yeah. bills. Ugh. All right. <laughs> Better news, the Biden administration notified the Supreme Court on Tuesday that it will no longer defend a government policy seeking to impose new limits on the admission of immigrants considered likely to become overly dependent on government benefits. So the Department of Homeland Security announced in 2019 that it would expand the definition of, quote, public charge to be applied to people who could be denied immigration because of a concern that they would primarily depend on the government for their income. Yeah, I remember when uh, this was about when pa- Pat Cipollone Mm-hmm. wanted to change the poem on the Statue of Liberty, send us your poor, but not too poor. Right. Yeah. God, they're gross. In the past, the designation was largely based on an assessment that an immigration uh, would be dependent upon cash benefits. An immigrant, excuse me, would be dependent upon cash benefits. But the Trump administration proposed to broaden the definition to include non-cash benefits as well, such as Medicaid, which supplemental nutrition and federal housing assistance. Now, anyone likely to require that broader range of help for more than 12 months in any three-year period would be swept into the expanded definition. Now, in response to a series of lawsuits, lower courts were divided on whether the revised rule violated federal law, but its enforcement was eventually blocked so that the former guy's administration appealed that. So the Supreme Court agreed in late February to consider the issue. But on Tuesday, the Justice Department notified the court that the Biden administration agreed with local governments challenging the policy that the cases should be dismissed. President Joe Biden signaled his t- intent to change the policy in February, and that's, that was signaling an executive order uh, that ordered federal agencies to review 
the the Trump rule. So obviously, a lot of the decisions around immigration over the last four years were abhorrent. And so Biden is trying to fix them is basically what's happening now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So pretty much anything that the Trump Department of Justice was arguing in court, the Biden Department of Justice can decide not to. Right. So that's what's happening. And that's awesome. And we're closer to nabbing the pipe bomb suspect who planted explosive devices at the DNC and RNC the night before the insurrection. The FBI has released two full minutes of new video of the suspect instead of those couple of photo stills that we had. They're asking if anyone can help identify the suspect. There's a $100,000 reward. So check out the FBI website for that. It's also I've, I've uh, retweeted it on the app, the at Mueller, she wrote Twitter feed. Perfect. Uh, we have. Yeah. So check that out. $100,000 reward. Uh, two full minutes. A video of this pipe bomb suspect. The, and the FBI will get him or her or them. Yes, they will. They are doing a good job. I know that some people think it's taking a long time, but you have to remember there was a lot of fucking people involved in this insurrection. 800 people got into the Capitol, roughly. According yeah. That's according to Yogananda Pittman, the now uh, chief of Capitol Police. Uh, We do have a lot more news today, including hidden COVID relief bill provisions, Republican voting restrictions, and some tasty, tasty schadenfreude. So stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Jenny Kane. With Jenny Kane, I found the secret to an effortless and elevated home and wardrobe. It's helped me simplify the way I get dressed. Their curated staples let me look and feel my best no matter my mood or my destination. From wardrobe essentials to everything that makes your space feel like a home, Jenny Kane has so many amazing pieces. It's my new go-to shopping destination for all things cozy and classic. It's great for gifts. Uh, Right now, my favorite Jenny Kane slippers uh, have just arrived, and they're amazing, and I've got a nice snuggly knit as well to keep me cozy. My favorite signature piece is the cozy sweaters from Fisherman and Cocoon. They're lightweight and luxurious from cashmere to cotton. I'll be wearing them well past the winter and for years to come. So if you want beautiful, timeless pieces you can turn to on a daily basis to make you look and feel your best, I recommend Jenny Kane. Their polished basics and home pieces will never go out of style. So find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com and get 15% off your first order when you use code DAILYBEANS at checkout. That's J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com and promo code DAILYBEANS beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, I really wanted to take a few minutes here to drive home the size and scope and breadth of the American Rescue Plan and just how much of an impact it will have on the working class in this country. We're really only hearing about the stimulus checks, the PPP loans, COVID and vaccine money, and local and state and government assistance. But there is so much more in this incredible bill, which is the second largest bill to get through both houses in the history of the United States. So let's talk about how it will impact taxes first. According to a new analysis by the Tax Policy Center, the Senate version of the American Rescue Plan would reduce federal taxes in 2021 by an average of $3,000 and raise after-tax incomes by 3.8%. And families with children would get an average tax cut of more than $6,000 under the bill, which has been approved by the Senate and the House, and a procedural vote in the House just advanced it to a full-floor House vote today, Wednesday. Now... In terms of whose taxes are cut, this bill is in stark contrast to the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act 
of uh, we're going to call that the TCJA. In 2021, low and moderate income households, those making $91,000 or less, would receive nearly 70% of the tax benefits from the Senate measure. Among families with children, those low and middle income households would get nearly three quarters of the benefit. By contrast, nearly half of the TCJA's 2018 tax cuts went to households in the top 5% of the income distribution, people who made more than $308,000 that year. Now, the Tax Policy Center modeled the major individual income tax provisions, including the Economic Impact Payments, or EIPs, those are the stimulus checks that we get, uh, of up to $1,400 per person, as well as expansions of the Child Tax Credit, the CTC, the Earned Income Tax Credit, and the Child and Dependent Care Tax Credit. In this analysis, uh, the Tax Policy Center did not model corporate tax changes, relatively modest tax subsidies for health insurance coverage for laid-off workers, paid sick and family leave, or expanded premium tax credits for health insurance purchased on the individual exchanges. Um, This analysis also did not model the income tax exemption for some unemployment benefits received in 2020, so that you know what they were leaving out here. The Senate's average tax cut in 2021 is nearly double the average $1,600 tax reduction from Trump's tax plan. The gap between the Senate bill and the average individual income tax cuts um, only in Uh, Trump's bill is even bigger. It's about $1,800. One key difference between the two measures is that individual income tax cuts of Trump's plan were scheduled to run for eight years through 2025. By contrast, the tax cuts in the American Rescue Plan are one time, such as the new round of economic impact payments, or scheduled to expire at the end of this year. The Congressional Joint Committee on Taxation estimates the Senate bill would cut taxes by about $467 billion in 2021 and about $590 billion over the 10-year budget window. By far, the single biggest tax cut in the Senate bill is the next installment of the direct EIPs. That's the $1,400. They cut household taxes by an average of about $2,300, this representing more than two-thirds of the overall tax cuts. Uh, while the expansions of a refundable tax credit, such as the child tax credit and the earned income tax credit, uh, are all temporary, Democrats have made a little secret of wanting to make them permanent. Now, the other major difference with the Trump tax plan, which was passed by the Republican Congress with the support of Trump, is the distribution of the tax cuts. The American Rescue Plan passed with only Democratic votes, and it distributes more than two-thirds of the tax cuts to low- and middle-income households, while they receive only about 17% of the Trump tax plan benefits. Under the Trump tax plan, the average first-year tax cut for low-income households making $25,000 or less was $60. That's 0.4% of their after-tax income. The average tax cut for the highest income, 0.1% of households making $3.4 million or more, was $193,000, 2.7% of after-tax income. Mm, Yeah, so it's not even equal there. By contrast, in this Senate bill, a household making $25,000 or less would receive an average tax cut of $2,800 this year instead of $60. That boosts their average tax income by 20%, but average taxes would not change at all for households making $3.5 million. A low-income household with children would get an average tax cut of nearly $7,700, raising their after-tax income by more than 35%. The difference for middle-income households is also striking. The Trump tax plan cut, cut their, 18, their 2018 taxes by an average of about $930, or 1.6% of their after-tax income. The Senate version of the American Rescue Plan would cut their taxes by an average of $3,350. That's 5.5% of their after-tax income. So, as they say, elections have consequences, and few bills show that contrast as much as the Republican tax plan and the Democrats. 
uh, American Rescue Plan. Also in this bill, as outlined in the Washington Post, is the single most significant legislation for black farmers since the Civil Rights Act. Five billion dollars would go to farmers of color who have lost 90 percent of their land over the past century because of systemic discrimination and a cycle of debt. Of the $10.4 billion in the ARP, the American Rescue Plan, that would support agriculture, half, about half, would go to disadvantaged farmers, according to estimates from the Farm Bureau. Uh, about a quarter of disadvantaged farmers are black. That money would provide debt relief as well as grants, training, education, and other forms of assistance aimed at acquiring land. While it's a fraction of the $1.9 trillion bill that passed the Senate on Saturday, advocates say it still represents a step toward righting a wrong after a century of mistreatment of black farmers by the government and others. Some say it's a form of reparations for African Americans who have suffered a long history of racial oppression. Black farmers in America have lost more than 12 million acres of farmland over the past century, mostly since the 50s, as a result of what agricultural experts and advocates for black farmers say is a combination of systemic racism, biased government policy, and social and business practices that have denied black people equitable access to markets. Discrimination started a century ago with a series of federal homestead acts that offered mainly white settlers deeply subsidized land. Since then, local U.S. Department of Agriculture offices charged back with distributing loans have frequently been found to deny black farmers access to credit and to ignore or delay loan applications. Many black farmers don't have clear title to their land, which makes them ineligible for certain USDA loans to purchase livestock or cover the cost of planting. And they have seldom benefited from a subsidy payment uh, of, you know, or, or trade mitigation compensation. Almost all um, of Trump's $28 billion bailout for those affected by the China trade went to white farmers. Now, today, the average farm operated by an African-American is about 100 acres, compared with the national average of about 440 acres. That's according to the last farm census. The Center for American Progress found that in 2017, the average full-time white farmer brought in about $17,190 in farm income, while the average full-time black farmer made just $2,400. The framework for this part of the bill drew from the Emergency Relief for Farmers of Color Act that was introduced by Raphael Warnock. Uh, and joined by Democratic Senators Cory Booker, Ben Ray Lujan from New Mexico, and Debbie Stabenow. This legislation, that, that legislation, aims to pay off federal loans and expand land access and opportunities for historically underserved farmers of color. Uh, the, the bill, uh, in turn, drew from the Justice for Black Farmers Act introduced by Booker. That's another uh, bill that uh, the American Rescue Plan drew from. And, of course, the bill includes more than $31.2 billion for Native communities, the largest investment in Native programs in history, with money for tribal governments, the Indian Health Service, housing, Native education, and more. U.S. Senator Brian Schatz, Democrat from Hawaii, chairman of the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs, helped secure the more than $31.2 billion in dedicated funding for tribal governments and Native communities, which will deliver immediate relief for hard-hit Native American families and support tribal nations as they build a bridge toward economic recovery. So the $31.2 billion investment in Native communities includes $20 billion for tribal governments to combat COVID-19 and stabilize tribal community safety net programs, with some of that going toward Indian Health Service for COVID-19 vaccines, for testing, tracing, mitigation, and workforce expenses. $1.248 billion goes toward HUD tribal and Native Hawaiian housing programs. $1.1 billion is for Native education programs, including Bureau of Indian Education Schools, tribal education agencies, tribal colleges and universities, Native Hawaiian education programs, and Alaska Native education programs. Then there's a billion dollars for Native families, for child care programs, and more money for the Pandemic Emergency Assistance Fund. $900 million goes to the Bureau of Indian Affairs programs, uh, which include welfare assistance, 
assistance to tribal governments, public safety, child welfare, money for the housing and housing improvement program, and money for potable water delivery. $600 million goes for Native communities' critical economic infrastructure investments, which includes money for critical infrastructure projects in Native communities. $20 million goes to mitigate the impact of COVID-19 on Native languages. And $19 million goes to Native communities' efforts to combat domestic violence, with money through the Family Violence and Prevention Services Act and a million dollars for Stronghearts Native Domestic Violence Hotline. And despite... All Republicans voting against these incredible historical provisions for underserved communities. And despite Marjorie Taylor Greene's efforts to delay this bill, it will be passed. It, it, it will be passed by the House today, Wednesday, and sent to Biden's desk pre- pretty much immediately after for signature, definitely by the end of the week. We should be proud of all the hard work we've done to make this historic legislation possible. Now, stay with me, because after this message, I have a schadenfreude hat trick that will make your day. And later, Dana and I will read the good news. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hello, lovies. It is AG, and this segment of the podcast is brought to you by Helix Sleep. They have solved my sleep issues and given me restful nights. Again, it's the most comfortable mattress I've ever used in my whole life, which is long. Now, I know some of you are sleeping on old mattresses or mattresses that aren't designed for the way that you sleep. You deserve better. It's time to give yourself an upgrade because we all have trouble sleeping from time to time, especially over the last four years. But now I've found Helix Sleep, and Helix recognizes that each of us sleeps differently, and they customize the mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. Helix created a sleep quiz online that takes two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to a customly delicious, perfect mattress for you. It's so comfortable. If you like a mattress that's plush or firm, or if you sleep on your side, or you sleep really hot, or you sleep on your belly or your back, with Helix... There's a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick in 2019 and then again in 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And they have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. No hassle, but you will love it, I promise. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So we all know Republicans cannot win when Americans have access to the ballot box, and they know it. So let's just go over some of the bills Republicans are submitting to suppress the vote this election cycle. Already six times more voter suppression bills than were out at this time ahead of the 2020 election. In Georgia, SB 241 would end no excuse vote by mail, risk identity theft, and allow the Republican legislature to usurp power from state and local election election officials. That's terrible. Also in Georgia, HB 531 would limit weekend voting, including souls to the polls, and it would limit access to the polls for Jewish Georgians who observe the Sabbath and vote on Sundays. And it would raise taxes on the working class to pay for these oppressive provisions. They want to charge you. They want to take your tax dollars and make it harder for you to vote. Now, in Arizona... There's SB 1485 that would purge up to 200,000 voters, including 50,000 Latinx voters from the early vote list, widely popular program. Also in Arizona, SB 1068 would shift much of the election authority from the secretary of state and attorney general to the Republican state legislature, much like they're doing in Georgia. And SB 1593 would limit early voting and discard ballots not postmarked 
five days before the election. And SB 1713 would force Arizona voters to include very personal information on absentee envelopes, increasing the risk of identity theft, which would disincentivize voters from using absentee voting in the first place. Now, in Iowa, Governor Kim Reynolds signed into law a Republican-backed bill that makes it harder to vote early, potentially eroding a key aspect of Democratic campaigns. The law shortens the early voting period to 20 days from the current 29. This is just three years after Republicans reduced the period from 40 days. It also requires most mail ballots to be received by Election Day rather than counting votes postmarked by Election Day that arrive by noon on that Monday following the election. Now, voting sites will also be closing at 8 p.m. rather than 9 p.m., and county election officials are banned from sending out absentee ballot request forms unless requested. Satellite voting sites can only be set up if enough voters petition for one, and voters will be removed from active voting lists if they miss a single general election and don't report a change in address or register as a voter again. Now, in New Hampshire, HB 531 would allow anyone to challenge an eligible citizen's right to vote by provisional ballot. And HB 554 discourages young people from voting by listing really confusing residency requirements. HB 86 bans out-of-state college students from voting. Now, you can learn how to fight back on all of this voter repression by going to fairfight.com or by visiting Stacey Abrams' Twitter feed, where she's posted a thread on all of these and more, and she has links to multiple resources. Now, in other news, Rep. Dan Crenshaw of Texas did not buy or sell any stocks in his first 13 months as a congressman, but that changed in March 2020, a year ago, right when we were going into lockdown, when he made a half a dozen buys as the largest economic relief package in history was written and debated. Now, five of those purchases came in three days between March 25th and 27th as the Senate and House voted on the CARES Act and former President Trump signed it into law. Crenshaw, who supported the bill, did not initially disclose the transactions in violation of the Stock Act. He didn't tell anybody about his stock purchases. And the Stock Act requires members of Congress to tell the public when they engage in securities trades. Months later, we only find out when he amended his records to reflect the purchase. The trades, which are listed only in a range of values, add up to a maximum of $120,000 and do not compare in size or volume to the kinds of headline-grabbing transactions executed ahead of the pandemic by Luffler and Purdue. They only appeared in December, uh, as I said, when Crenshaw amended his annual report, which was originally submitted in August with none of the purchases on it. Crenshaw... Uh, well, here's the thing, too, about Crenshaw. The timing here is weird, uh, not to mention the fact that he failed twice to disclose the stock purchases. And that raises serious ethical questions because, you know, he was elected in 2018. He never traded individual stocks in office until the crisis hit. And then when global markets crashed on March 12th, Crenshaw bought between $1,000 and $15,000 in Amazon. Two weeks later, while Congress voted on the CARES Act, Crenshaw bought stocks valued at the same price range in Southwest Boeing, um, Energy Infrastructure, SPX, that's a manufacturer, and Kinder, uh, Kinder Morgan, a Texas-based company specializing in pipeline construction. He also bought an index fund tied to the performance of the S&P 500. We hadn't heard about Crenshaw's purchases because he failed to report them. The 2012 Stock Act requires Congress to post all transactions within 45 days. Not only did Crenshaw fail to disclose the transaction at that time, he didn't include them in his annual disclosure in August, as I said. And while the filing shows that Crenshaw holds the new assets, the form also requires members to list the transactions, including the dates, which Crenshaw left blank. All of Crenshaw's purchases have shown returns, with the biggest yields coming from Boeing, Amazon, and Southwest. 
At the time, Crenshaw sat on the House Committees for Budget and Homeland Security. Boeing, in particular, lobbied heavily and successfully for a piece of the CARES Act, asking first for $60 billion and later, later hoping to receive $17 billion um, that lawmakers had set aside for business, business is critical to maintaining national security. The trades intersect with Crenshaw's government work, specifically in energy. The oil and gas industry contributed a total of almost $500,000 to his 2020 re-election efforts and was his largest industry patron in terms of PAC donations. And while this may not have posed a direct conflict of interest last year, that might no longer that might no longer be the case. Uh, on January 21st, House Republican leadership took Crenshaw off his Homeland Security and Budget Committee assignments and moved him to the Committee on Energy and Commerce. <laughs> hmm. Now, the White House has rehung the official presidential portraits of former President George W. Bush and Bill Clinton after they were removed last July and shoved into a storage uh, room, like just a, a room that no one ever goes into. They are now back on display in the grand foyer of the executive mansion. And now it's time for a little schadenfreude. Schadenfreude! First up in this hat trick of tasty schadenfreude from Politico, the Republican National Committee is denying a cease and desist demand from Trump's attorneys who asked the party organization to stop using the president's name and likeness in fundraising appeals. In a letter sent Monday afternoon to Trump attorney Alex Cannon, ooh, there's a new lawyer I haven't heard of yet, RNC chief counsel Justin Reamer <laughs> asserted that the committee has every right to refer to public figures as it engages in core First Amendment protected political speech and will continue to do so in pursuit of the those common goals. The letter is a brush back to the Trump team, which sent a March 5th request that the RNC immediately cease and desist the unauthorized use of President Donald J. Trump's name, image, and or likeness in all fundraising persuasion and or issue speech. Trump attorneys sent the letters uh, to a cadre of GOP committees asking them to stop using Trump's fundraising appeal, uh, including the National Republican Senatorial Committee and the National Republican Congressional Committee. Other groups loosely affiliated with the party have also received this cease and desist letter. Some senior Republicans say they believe that last week's cease and desist demand was driven by advisors surrounding Trump, not Donald himself, and most have scoffed at the request, asserting that they're allowed to use Trump's name in fundraising appeals, given that he's a public figure. Also, it's Judge Emmett Mehta and he, who has drawn the Swalwell lawsuit against Trump. You'll recall that Mehta is an Obama appointee and presided over several cases against Trump, including the congressional subpoenas of financial documents. So we'll keep you posted, but good draw. And finally, Piers Morgan stormed off the set of Good Morning Britain after being confronted for his disparate treatment of Meghan Markle uh, ever since she ghosted him after a shitty date he took her on. Uh, right after which she got into a cab and went to a party and met Prince Harry. We all learned this morning that after that childish move, Piers has left Good Morning Britain. And who wants to start placing bets that he'll be showing up on Fox News in the coming weeks? But for now, bye bye Piers. And we'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the Daily Beans. Remember sex ed in health class? We also saw like driver's ed and sex ed were mixed together. We learn to prevent pregnancy at all costs, but when it comes to planning for pregnancy, it's a bit of a mystery, right? It is now uh, time for a new type of education that puts your reproductive goals front and center. Modern Fertility makes that possible with easy at-home fertility hormone testing. With Modern Fertility, you can unlock tons of insight into your reproductive health. You can take an egg count. You can learn your menopause timing, which has been very helpful to me. Uh, you can learn if your hormone levels indicate conditions like thyroid disorders or PCOS. All things are 
are good to know whether or not you're trying to plan a family. Modern Fertility is the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing at your doctor can cost like a thousand bucks, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash dailybeans, you can get $20 off that. So it's only $139. And if you have HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility. You'll get insight on how many eggs you have, what your hormone levels are, other important fertility factors that you need to know. The results go deep into what every hormone means. And you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. So if you want kids today or maybe one day or never, but you need information to make the decision that's best for you, you can do that with Modern Fertility. Right now, they're offering listeners $20 off the test when they go to modernfertility.com slash dailybeans. That means your test will cost $139 instead of hundreds or even thousands uh, that it could cost you in a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash dailybeans. Again, modernfertility.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blowed on good news. It's on the way. This portion of good news is brought to you by, I don't know, whatever uh, was in the ad a minute ago. But I'm really <laughs> excited about this because uh, good news is always awesome. It's brought to you by angels. angels. Angels is brought to you this first part by angels. Angels. Got it. Got it. Got it. So if you have good news that you want to submit, uh, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. That is also where you can go to support a patron who can't afford it right now. It's just 36 bucks. It buys a whole year long membership for somebody who can't swing it. Uh, so you can do that at dailybeanspod.com as well. We want to hear your confessions, your misheard lyrics. If you have a dispute you want settled in Amy's court on Friday, you can send that in. Any photos of your happy place, right, Dana? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But not your happy place. Put your happy yeah, place. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, pod pets, kids, grandkids, whatever you got for us. Uh, let's see here. Some good news for 24 listeners who were waiting to be sponsored, by the way. We just sent out 24 free premium subscriptions that were donated by our listeners. So if you were on... See, angels. Brought to you by angels. <laughs> so if you were on the waiting list, check your email. You might have an email from us in there. That means, so you know, not only if you want to sponsor a patron, you can sign up to be on the wait list to get a sponsored patron membership. Now, let's kick this off with our first submission from Aaron, pronouns he and him, Hello Beans Queens, on January 1st, 2018, while nursing a massive hangover. Mm-hmm. I stumbled upon the Muller She Wrote podcast and spent all day listening to past episodes and sipping my Pedialyte. <laughs> That's what made me laugh. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I continued to, I had a friend who is a nurse, so I got the IVs. All right. Uh, I continued to listen to it and it only took me a few weeks to catch up and I've been ride or die for MSW, Daily Beans and Cleanup on aisle 45 ever since. Aaron, I love you. Thank you for all that you do. I have a misheard lyric song story. Oh, good. While in college, my roommate was an ultra-religious douchebag. Think Alex Jones meets Westboro Jesus. Baptist Church. Oh, barf. No. One day, like, my neighbors, my dorm neighbors were, were Jesus people, and they would play, like, Jesus music really loud uh, every day, so I would, like, crank up suicidal tendencies. I saw your mommy and your mommy's dead. Oh, you know. <laughs> uh, and they would paint shit on their window. Like, if you were looking up at our rooms from the student from the quad at NAU, their room was on the left and we were right next to them on the right. So they would paint shit on their window and we would have replies on our window. <laughs> 
And one time they painted up there, uh, Jesus loves you, right? Jesus loves you. And so we put right next to it, but he's on the rebound. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Very fun. Very and they nice. would leave little messages on our whiteboards like, it's okay. Jesus loves you anyway. I'm like, oh, thanks. Okay. So this guy's roommate, I can relate. One day I was listening to Jimi Hendrix and my roommate asked me to turn off that gay song. Turns out he thought the lyric was, excuse me while I kiss. uh, He thought the lyric, excuse me while I kiss the sky was, excuse me while I kiss this guy. Oh my God. I never corrected him and played the song often (laughs) until his parents got him an apartment off campus to get him away from heathen me. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me while I kiss this guy. I got the room to myself for the rest of the year. And when I visited Jimmy's grave near Seattle, I thanked him for his gift of music and my bachelor pad college dorm. Nice. (laughs) For my pet tax, I live with my daughter and two year old. uh, Oh, excuse me. I live with my daughter and two years ago, a neighbor's cat gave birth to a litter. The neighbor was able to adopt out the calico-colored ones, but was having trouble finding homes for the last two that were black. There is, by the way, people don't like black cats. Right. After they were nearly eaten by raccoons, I relented and allowed the kid to adopt the last two brothers. Uh, She named them Katsu and Mochi, but I call them the Shining Twins (laughs) because at least once a day, I look up or enter a room to find them staring at me in the same position. But in reality, they're a perfect mix of sweet and crazy. Oh, my God. That's hilarious (laughs) that he calls them the Shining Twins. I love this guy. Aaron, I don't know who you are, but I already adore you. That's hysterical. Yeah, I'm in love with Aaron. That's it. Oh, look at these guys. My God. (gasps) They're twins. Oh, honeys. So sweet. So, so sweet. Aaron, thank you so much for that submission. Oh, God. All right. This next one's from Anonymous, but the pronouns are he and him. Hey, Beans Queens, nothing crazy happening. We've been pandemic, quote unquote, good lately. My parents are getting their first shot tomorrow, which is quite a relief. I wanted to share a personal misheard song lyric that came up recently. The song, Big Yellow Taxi, has always thrown me. I can't stop myself from this switch. They paved paradise and put up a parking lot into they paved paradise and put up a fucking lock <laughs> pave paradise put, up, put a fuck, up a fucking lock now i don't know why they had to both pave paradise and then prevent us from accessing it but that's what they did <laughs> I love the explanations. That's so funny. I included a little pod pet tax. My cat, Chidi, uh, a.k.a. Cheese Man, might be evil, but she's certainly cute. She has curly hair and a squished face. Um, you're welcome to guess her, her breed. Oh, my God. Look at this face. Oh, is it a, a Rex and a Persian? Honey, I'm the worst lesbian. I don't know cat breeds. I, I That looks like Angry Cat. I know that Angry Cat is a thing, and that looks like Angry Cat. She's a Rex. A Selkirk Rex. So that must be the Persian part oh, that I was thinking. there you go. I mean, I totally was going to say it's a Selkirk Rex <laughs> if I had, you know, given me a second. I know. I did. I, I scrolled too quickly. I should really give you that time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. I've validated and seen. Yes. <laughs> Next up from Joey, pronouns he and him. I wrote in last year when things were bad about being a stage manager in New York City. I remember losing the ability to do the work I love and quarantining alone for three months, seeing the morgue truck outside the hospital across the street. The shutdown was a full year ago, and this week we hit that marker, and I'm still unsure when I'll be able to create live theater. I just received my first dose of the Moderna vaccine. I was so happy I cried. And the two-week marker after dose two, when they say that vaccine has taken full effect, lands exactly on my birthday. Oh, nice. I cannot wait to go hug someone. 
The process was safe, efficient, and I was in and out of the clinic in 35 minutes. Thank you to our healthcare workers, our researchers, those who took part in the trials, the Biden-Harris administration, and Dolly Parton. <laughs> vaccine, 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 vaccine. She was so good when she did that. I finally trust that we will see the light at the end of this nightmare tunnel. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Joey, for that submission. Congratulations. Indeed. And happy birthday. And Joey, yeah, I was just going to say by the dates, Joey, your birthday is probably very close to mine. Um, Mine's April 12th. So I imagine you're also an Aries. So um, happy birthday as that starts to come up. Um, And congratulations for your first shot. It's it's exciting. I'm excited for every single person that writes in and says they have it because I know they can take a, literally after three weeks can take a breath without a mask. Okay. Uh, This one, next one's from Meg, pronouns she and her. Hey, ladies of the beans, have thought about writing multiple multiple times over the past year, but the misheard lyrics uh, kicked me in the rear. So to do so in 1987, as a teen, as a 10-year-old coming into her own power, I'd love Jody Watley's song, Looking for a New Love. I'm looking, looking for, for a new, new love, baby, a new, a new love. love. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Even a 10-year-old could understand this woman embracing her authority to say, you screwed me over and I'm done. She was a badass. And the lyric that let you know how badass she is, now you're like the rest, unworthy of my best. I stole a visa, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're like the rest, unworthy Unworthy of my best. I stole a visa, visa, baby. Baby. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's so funny. To a 10-year-old's mind, that's hardcore. Uh, It was not until four years later when Terminator 2 came out that I realized she never stole that fucking visa. (laughs) She was saying, until the next time I see ya... Hasta la vista, baby. Mind blown. As pod pet tax, I've included a picture of our 11-month-old beast, Raina, who has managed to go to the ER vet twice since we got her in June, and our old man, Hans, who we've inherited from my hubby's grandma, who can no longer take care of him. Yes, she still tries to lay under that table, and she is the one lets, she's the one who lets herself into the shower. No need to try to guess the breed on these two. Uh, love this show, and I'm so thankful that I know longer have to hold my breath each morning when i check the news oh my god look at this rottweiler in the shower (laughs) just lets herself in hey there that's amazing i mean i'm hope i'm assuming that shower door goes both ways because she's pulling the towel down to dry off oh and there's a wiener dog oh there we go oh the puppy sleeping oh the baby oh i want to squish the face so peaceful Mm. all right Oh, next up from Allison, pronoun she and her best name. Hey, Beans Queens, I come bearing good news. On International Women's Day, I received two massive pieces of good news. The first is that my little brother and his girlfriend are expecting a child, making me an aunt for the second time. Yay. The second bit of good news is that on March 11th, 364 days after Jay was exposed to COVID and we both were sent into quarantine, I will receive my first dose of the Moderna vaccine. After a year of so much fear and loss, I can finally see a true light at the end of the tunnel. My next mission is getting Jay on as many waiting lists as I can so he too can get inoculated and both of us will be able to live a freer post-COVID life together. Congratulations, Jay and Allison. Woo! I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. Let's see what we got here. This one's from James. Oh, 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 you're scrolling. Quit scrolling. This is from James. Pronoun he and him. Good news update on cobalt of cobalt and denim. She had an oncology appointment on Monday. Well, we just got the results back from the CT scan and it's good news all around. No metastases and the tumor is contained with no sign. It penetrated muscle or bone. Woo. 
Yay. We still have to schedule a surgery, but this is a big relief. Here are some more photos of Cobalt. The first one we have uh, when we went to adopt her. Cobalt engaged in her favorite activity, herding sheep, and one of our most re- recent ones uh, at Off Leash Beach in Vancouver. Oh, God, that dog is so pretty. <sighs> yeah, I had a red merle Aussie, and uh, <laughs> she, she herded everything. She would just hurt at puppy class. She would herd the whole class into the corner and I'd be like, Gil, come get your dog. My goodness. Um, this is such great news. You know, uh, the podcat that y'all helped pitch in to get his tumor removed, it was contained with no sign of penetrating muscle or bone, too. He's scanned, just had his scan about a month and a half ago. He's been cancer free now for almost two years. So this is so exciting. I'm so happy for y'all. Oh, look at the sheep. I know. Oh. God, the dog's beautiful. The sheep are like, all right, all right, all right, all right. I get it. <laughs> we're going, we're going, we're going. We're going, we're going, we're going. Stop yelling, stop yelling. All right. Is it my turn? It is. All right, Anna from Anna, pronoun she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. As we're coming on my second pandemic birthday next Wednesday, the 17th. Oh, you just happened to be born on the 17th, so you had two birthdays in the pandemic. (laughs) She says, I'm preparing to celebrate with both friends and family remotely. I'd like to put in my vote for naming the Guess the Breed game. Call it What the Mutt. I like it. (laughs) That's fantastic. For my submission, I'm giving you my pupper, Pablo Pete. We have literally no idea what he actually is, so your guess is as good as ours. He's roughly 50 pounds. However, he's only about a foot and a half tall. Oh, Chonky boy. I've listed his Insta below if you'd like any additional clues. If you're thinking that his name may be a little strange, you're correct. A friend of mine lives near a local Padre Pio shrine, and the f- and her father, who is hard of hearing, somehow heard his name as Pablo Pete. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, which uh, became the f- perfect dog name. So good luck and happy guessing. Okay, that is definitely a um, bulldog. Yeah, bulldog, maybe a little Frenchy. I would say French bulldog mixed with pit. Pit. The second picture definitely has got pit, <laughs> and I think that's I think it's bull pit. Look at the third. <laughs> oh my god. That yeah. That last picture. Oh my god, so sweet. But yeah, that's what I would say. I would say that's a French uh, a, a, a French bulldog mixed with a pit bull. That's a lot of bull, is what that is. And maybe a maybe a bulldog bulldog yeah, too. Yeah. Look at those cheeks look at the jowls totally look at that barrel chest it's a beautiful dog that's a beefy little pablo pete right there well like the person said that dog's 50 pounds and it's only a foot off the ground (laughs) that's a little teapot anna shoddy yeah seriously that's so cute awesome well what the mutt please submit photos of your of your dog uh if you know the breed or not it's fun uh put the answers in there so we'll we'll try to guess the breed of your mixed breed dog and uh we'll, we'll call it what the mutt i like it what the mutt i like it too what a brilliant a brilliant suggestion i'm in i'm in all right so everyone you can do that and submit uh, anything else you want to submit you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact and of course if you want to become a patron and you can't swing it sign up on the wait list to be sponsored and if you want to sponsor a patron you can do that at dailybeanspod.com as well and thanks to all of our angels who have sponsored patrons we had another 24 go out the door this week so that's wonderful love it um, all right, that is it. Uh, any 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 final words? I have no final words. I just wish, wish everyone a very happy... Actually, just one final word. Don't know if she listens to the podcast, and it really doesn't matter to me, but a very, very happy birthday to one of my best friends, Charity. I hope you're having a great day. I have a really good friend named Charity. Oh, well, there you go. Very cool. Her la- yeah, I, I was about to say her last name on the podcast. I'm not going to do that. No. <laughs> it, it's a really cool last name, though. All right, everybody, <laughs> until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been a G. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. 
The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder and Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. I saw a billboard. We were driving back from Vegas and saw a billboard that said, you know, there were for apartments for lease. And they're like, leasing information, call this number. And I was like, leasing information? How do you lease information? How, you can't give it back. Once you know something, don't you just know it? Like, And then I was like, oh, wait. Yep. Just to have the moments. I had mine on the show the other day. If you were listening to the episode th- on Thursday, actually, right before you tune into this, um, they were talking about cats that didn't have any meows and they were getting lost in different a- in places and missing. And so the story was basically like the cat disappeared and it didn't have any meow. And they're like, oh my God, we need to find it. We're going to look for the cat. We put out food, we put up signs. And in my head, my brain went. <laughs> How, who the who are the signs for? Like the, the cat's not going to know what the read. sign says. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I, I the pause in the story. Pause. Get it? No pun intended. But the pause yeah, in yeah. the story. I do think people <laughs> will hear it. But it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh, you're, yeah. Your first thought was signs. Cats can't read. Yeah. Cats can't read. All right. That's so great. And now, like, I want to put signs up like that. That that you know, are just a picture of a cat being like, Hey Bruce, you're missing. Come home. Right. Uh, and uh, how do we know? I mean, let's be honest. You don't know if cats can or can't read. <laughs> so no, we're just making an assumption true. there. Uh, making and an my, assumption. My friend who's a comedian, Brian Simpson, he has this whole bit about, you know, uh, he sees lost dog signs and it's like, we, you know, we miss our boy. He wants to come home. He misses up. He misses us. And, and Brian's like, Are you sure? Cause the last time, last I read that dogs <laughs> can smell you from three miles away. So maybe that motherfucker chose the streets. Uh, yeah. <laughs>